0: is the music vibes podcast sponsored by neat 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 records and music located at 1836 south calhoun street in downtown fort wayne neat 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 stocks lps and cds across all genres and is an authorized dealer of ortophone audio technica emotiva wharfdale project and more Please visit NeatNeatNeatRecords.com for more information. This is the Music Vibes Podcast, and I am your host, D.C. Hendrix. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. I'm at D.C. Hendrix. And give my Facebook page a like at Facebook.com slash OfficialDCHendrix. And I'm on Instagram as well at OfficialDCHendrix. Glad you guys could join us today. Very excited for this week's edition of the podcast. This week, we're going to be celebrating another anniversary here. I love celebrating anniversaries. That's what we do on here. Celebrate classics create new ones right here on the music Vibes podcast. But today we're celebrating another classic. One of the greatest rock bands of all time is celebrating not just one anniversary this week, but two album anniversaries this week. And that would be none other than ACDC back on July 27th, 1979 ACDC along with Bon Scott released the album highway to hell. Rock albums ever in fact this was probably the album that helped break them through uh, they were a big band out in Australia prior to the release of this album but highway to hell was kind of their breakthrough into the mainstream media that's when they became a big rock band and that was pretty much the beginning of them becoming one of the greatest rock bands of all time but also another anniversary that we're celebrating for ACDC this week it would be July 25th in 1980 not even a full year later they released the album back in black They sound a little bit different. Um, there's a different lead singer That would be why it sounds a little bit different Unfortunately, Bon Scott ended up passing away Who was the original lead singer of AC/DC? He ended up passing away due to alcohol poisoning uh, He was binge drinking And he ended up passing away, unfortunately And the reason why I chose this podcast for this week Is not only because I love AC/DC, But it also kind of reflects And talks about one of the greatest lead singer changes And one of the quickest transitions Of a lead singer change I've ever seen in music history history and not only just was it the quickest but it was one of the greatest changes i mean i feel like brian johnson who ended up taking over for acdc as the lead singer did a fantastic job and ended up even i mean he continued the success if not elevated back in black is their highest selling album in it ever so and that's his first album with the band so one of the greatest transitions for lead singers ever for any any band acdc changing to brian johnson was the not only the quickest but one of the most influential changes but yeah brian johnson takes over with back in black and i'm going to be joined by a couple of guests today so steve candell is a nice freelance writer that we will have joining us later on in the show he did a nice album review for back in black for pitchfork one of my personal favorite music websites that was just a little bit over a month ago he kind of looked back on this classic review and looked at that album back in black so we're going to be joined by him later on coming up in just moments i'm going to be joined by matt wake he joined me actually last year we also celebrated an album then another classic we did exile on main street by the rolling stones he actually joined me last year so this will be his second appearance on the show so i'm excited to talk to matt we're going to talk about highway to hell and back in black and celebrate two anniversaries for acdc so it sounds like when i need to talk rock matt's my guy so let's have some fun this week. All right. So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in Matt Wake. Let's start this off. Let's talk some ACDC. Talk about two great albums. Let's go ahead and bring them on. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today, man. It's good to have you back. How are you doing today? DC, I'm good. How are you? I am doing great, man. Excited to talk to you. It's been a while. What was um what was the last time I had you on? I know we did another album review before. Do you remember what we I had you on before?
1: Yeah, DC, we did, uh, Exile Main Street. That's right.
0: Rolling Stones. Talking some rock again today, man. We're celebrating another anniversary, actually two, uh, this time. We're talking ACDC today. Happy anniversary, ACDC. Um, there's two, two albums in the same week with the anniversary. So let's start with the big one. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with the bang here. I'm going to put you on the spot right away yeah. here on the podcast. You're my guy. You've been on here before. So ACDC, I know there are two different albums, but released right after each other. Highway to Hell was released in 79. Um, unfortunately, Bon Scott passes away due to uh, alcohol poisoning, and then he's almost immediately re- immediately replaced which is weird but um brian johnson takes over back in black on back in black and ends up being the lead singer until 2016 just three years ago but highway to hell or back in black which one you choose and which one's better in your opinion and why
1: um i pick uh highway to hell but just barely and it's kind ah. of see a thing where i think back in black is so good yeah that I think it's one of those albums that it's so good we take it for granted. Uh, um, we take it for granted, I should say, because mm-hmm. it's kind of like a Led Zeppelin four kind of thing where you just hit this album pretty early in your appreciation of rock music, whether that's seventh grade or early or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, And so many people just wear that out because it's so good. I mean, think of how many... You know, millions of people when they're teenagers have listened to tracks like Have a Drink on Me when they're, you know, <laughs> like at a kegger or riding with their friends in their car or whatever.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, Highway to Hell with Bon. Bon is just, you know, it, it, it's kind of obvious and cheap to say if you die young, you're more, you kind of have more of a mystique to you, but he just does. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he 's like this rock and roll animal, and it's that 's what all he was programmed to do was to be a cool ass rock singer like i don 't picture Bond Scott ever getting into having like a cologne fragrance <laughs> you know With, you know I mean he was just here to rock man yeah um and to me with Bond, they were a rock band with Brian Dare a metal band
2: mm-hmm. that 's true
1: um I loved uh on Highway to Hell. I mean, to me, that's some of the best dance music rock has ever made. The uh, the drummer, Phil Rudd, he's on the classic stuff. But mm-hmm. the grooves are just so danceable, man. Like, if more rock bands had songs like this mm-hmm. and had grooves like this, mainstream wouldn't be a problem for young bands. But, you know, having that kind of groove and that kind of song... Uh, that kind of songwriting. Mm-hmm. it's It doesn't come much. And another thing I think is interesting between these two
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, is Mutt Lane produced both of them. yeah. And he's known for being like a lavish guy with Def Leppard, you know, all the overdubs and just how uh, ornate and sophisticated that sounds. And, you know, both of these, I, Back in Black is a little more gleaming, but to me, they're both just very good recordings of a very good gritty bluesy you know uh rock band that'll blow the doors off a bar or a, uh, an auditorium or an arena um uh so i don't know man like <laughs> back in black is probably a little better yeah but i like highway to hell better how about you what you what do you think
0: <laughs> so this is this is where we actually disagree. So this Good. I started an entire argument in the office earlier today. <laughs> I told I told everyone, you know what I'm talking about today on the podcast? I'm talking ACDC and I'm talking Highway to Hell and Back in Black. And I'm, they're like, oh, OK, nice, you know, nice. And we started a discussion. And the minute I say I like Back in Black better than Highway to Hell, I was immediately attacked verbally, of course, <laughs> not physically. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're a little more old school. They were around during this time. And I, I, I've mentioned on here before, and everyone knows that listens to this podcast. I'm a younger guy that appreciates the older music. So I didn't necessarily, you know, I wasn't around during the time when this came out. I mean, this is like yeah. 10, this is 10, 11 years before I was even born. So like, <laughs> I didn't necessarily listen to these in chronological order. I didn't listen yeah. to If You Want Blood, You've Got It before Highway to Hell. So, and I didn't listen to Highway to Hell before I listened to Back in Black. You know, I just so happen I have the Back in Black uh, album vinyl at home, um, and I've had that for a long time. I was actually a hand me down from my pops, but that was awesome. actually the first AC/DC album I ever heard, and that's what made me a fan of AC/DC. So I did not know. I mean, I was a young guy when I was listening. I mean, obviously, as I got older, you know, we research and learn more about people and learn more about bands. So I learned about Bon Scott, obviously being the lead singer before Brian Johnson, but. I went. I went back in black, man. I, I give it the slight edge. I just think all the way through, I think yeah. there's more jam. And we're, we're, I believe, we're both vinyl guys. So like, I would say uh, side one, side two. I like it more complete than Highway to Hell.
1: Oh man, it, and it, it, it's so good that it, I mean, that's I can't tell tell you that you know you're wrong and I'm right here because <laughs> Back in Black is just so good. It's like Coca Cola or like. um sex or I mean like everybody (laughs) likes it so it's just like you don't even need to wear a t-shirt it's like yeah I like ACDC I mean the like swing on like rock and roll ain't noise pollution the uh, my favorite track on Back in Black is "Shoots a Thrill how at the beginning Angus and Malcolm's uh, Angus and Malcolm's guitars are kind of crisscrossing and it's a really good illustration of uh, how their guitars work together um and I think it's interesting that, you know, when you know, kind of the thing of where Brian Johnson was out a year or two ago mm-hmm. and they got Axel Rose from Guns N' Roses to fill in and do the tour. Uh he, I think he's one of the few people who could do both the Brian songs and I saw that tour in Atlanta. It was fantastic. I thought he actually Oh nice. I thought he sang better with ACDC, then he did some on the GNR uh, reunion shows, some of them I saw. But, like, mm-hmm. although he did good on those, too, mm-hmm. just he's, he, like, the whole time with ACDC, Axel was singing with that grit that people like him. And for whatever reason, in the gun shows now, he does it some of the time, but he kind of has to pick his spots, whereas, like, back in the day, it was, you know, just like a flamethrower the whole show. But he's still great, but uh, amazing for ACDC to get Axel because I don't think I can't think of anybody else Who could have pulled off the Bond and the Brian stuff because mm-hmm. they're so Different and you know people Do you see a thing I think Also interesting Here is you know there's kind of this conspiracy Theory that Bond Scott wrote some of the lyrics To Back in Black and uh, There's mm-hmm. a really good book Called Bond the Last Highway Very well researched Um A guy named uh, Jesse uh, Mm Fink wrote uh, a couple years ago, and he kind of gets into tracking down Bond's death and stuff like that. And um, There's some people who think Bond wrote some of the lyrics. They've kind of... I don't know, man. It would be hard for me. Brian Johnson never interviewed him or anything, but he seems like such a good, straight-up guy. Mm -hmm. It seems weird to me. That he would never have been like, you know, he wrote some of those lyrics they had and they passed on to me. Right. And I It feels, it, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't add up to me that he would mm-hmm. not cop to, if that was the case. Do you, couldn't you see Von Scott writing any of those lyrics?
0: Um, I could on a couple of the tracks and there, there were, yeah. there were rumors. I did see that, that where, I mean, cause like I said, it it was, the i mean i would say probably the quickest replacement of a lead singer i ever seen um and not not only that the most successful i mean there's been so many bands replacing lead singers but i think it was just i think the turnover was just so quick i mean he passed away and you know i mean he passed away and then all of a sudden back in black is out a couple months later and it's like oh okay um that was quick so i i think it's a lot to do with that just a quick turnover um but yeah in ter- in terms of highway to hell though i mean that came out in a i mean a really good time i mean rock was in a huge I mean it was huge at that point. I know you had I think the Clash, London Calling came out that same year in 79, which has huh. has some of my favorites on there. I know uh Pink Floyd was out in 79, they had The Wall. Um and I know Tom Petty had a record out. So around that time when Highway to Hell comes out, how do you think it stacked up in in the rock world and when when it came out in 79?
1: And you know what's awesome and those are great uh um Think of how, I mean, all those are uh, London Calling, Stand the (laughs) Torpedoes, The Wall, Highway to Hell. Very, very different rock albums. Um, Tusk by Fleetwood Mac that year, uh, the first Joy Division record. um, (laughs) All really different rock albums, but all really good and, you know, all connected with a lot of people. Um, uh, I like. In Through the Outdoor pretty good The Zeppelin one It's kind of one that's not like a big favorite of people But I love how they did uh, I thought they did uh, Some interesting stuff on there From like the kind of Rockabilly tune Hot dog to like uh, Kind of the uh, disco-y Kind of stuff on there Um, uh, Sounds like the devil's disco With Led Zeppelin playing it But like (laughs) um, uh, You know It's way to hell, I think, is as good or better than any of those. I would probably I agree. take take it take it first. Um, I want to go back to a point you made that I think is really good, DC. That the quick turnaround mm-hmm. when people are like, "What you, you know?" Did Bond write some of these lyrics? It sounds like something he could have done. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. That that was within a year or maybe less. Mm-hmm. Those albums released together. So the band, you know. ACDC are not a band that's going to have like an experimental album or like a rap rock album or like a country album. They're going to be ACDC. Like that is what they do. And if you're capturing them twice in the same year or so, there's going to be some continuity. I think I've never heard anyone mention that before. And I thought that was a really good point you made.
0: Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, I just thought and that and that was something I was thinking of, you know, in preparation for this. I was just like, I mean, if you if you if you really look back at that quick turnover and, and I like I said, I haven't in my, you know, findings in music and studying music history, I have not seen a quicker turnover or a more successful turnover than Bon Scott to Brian Johnson. So it, th- th- that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast. Honestly, it's just like I- I'm I mean I'm honestly intrigued and I mean it's admirable honestly it's just unheard of how quick the turnover was and then, and then not only just that two fantastic albums back to back too I mean it's not like cuz usually the the first the first album with the new lead singer it takes a while and like you said it was less than a year cuz I mean Bon Scott passed away in 80 and this album was released in July of 80 so like I mean that's that's pretty quick that's a very quick turnover. Um, so I, I would I would not put it past. Um, bon Scott to have written some of this, and you can you can kind of hear it. some of the some of the lyrics. Um, and I'm I'm not gonna you know put any songs you know under the microscope and me- mention any songs in particular. But yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. I'm gonna have to get that book by the way. That's that was a good point. Um, but just kind of talking about some of the tracks and the reception of Highway yeah. to Hell. So I mean, we mentioned Highway to Hell, the main track. What are some other songs that you you know you really enjoy from side one and side two um, from Highway to Hell that you you want people to hear? You know, maybe someone. Maybe they've heard Highway to Hell, and maybe they haven't heard the rest of the record.
1: Yeah, yeah. If you want blood, you've got it on side two, man. It's just got one of the great all-time rock screams when uh, Bond brings it, uh, hits it during the break. uh, Mm -hmm. That you've got it uh, (laughs) before the kind of the last rave up. Love Hungry Man has a good groove. It's almost got like a Gene Simmons old-school Kiss bass line. Touch Too Much has... There's something about the guitar, the percussiveness, the attack of the guitars that almost sounds like uh, synthesizers in a way that you wouldn't think normally of ACDC. You know, Shot Down in Flames. I mean, just the groove and swagger and Girls Got Rhythm. Uh, I mean, this is... Friday night Saturday
0: night music man it doesn't get better yeah and in terms if you were to if I were to ask you like similar similar bands during this time you know it, yeah. you, you can call me you can tell me if I'm wrong but I think of bands like Motley Crue is one that kind of comes to mind I, I kind of feel like Motley Crue has a similar sound I just think ACDC is obviously much better um, yeah they're like Motley Crue but good Um yeah it's, I don't know, if I were to ask you some similar bands around this time to AC/DC who had the yeah. similar sound, who would you say?
1: You know, and I think Motley Crue would be the first band to tell you ACDC is better than Motley Crue, but like, um, uh, I, you know, a band like Humble Pie with kind of ah. um, the, the fierce kind of badass singing and the kind of... Supercharged Rolling Stone blues rock, but just taking it up uh, a little more intense. Um, uh, Humble Pie is a band I would maybe compare them to.
0: I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, and and kind of focusing on the main track, Highway to Hell. Do you do you agree that you know some of the lyrics in that song kind of took a different meaning? You know, after the passing of Bon Scott.
1: Oh God! Yeah, I mean. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is his last album. And, you know, he was a guy who walked it and talked it, you know, the rock lifestyle. And, you know, died in the backseat of a Peugeot automobile, I think it was. uh, In London, I think it was. But, um, I mean, yeah. When you, you know, I mean, if he was still living today and they were doing their, you know, uh, 90th year reunion tour or whatever like, uh, I mean it would be like ironic and done with a wink but like uh, um, yeah totally
0: yeah so kind of looking back in terms of rock and roll history so ACDC yeah. for me is one of my personal favorite rock bands ever um, and just kind of looking back, it, it depends on where you put this band in the category. Some people say pop, boy band, but I mean, you look at rock bands, you say the Beatles, probably Led yeah. Zeppelin, probably the Rolling Stones, who we talked about before with the Exile on Main Street, uh, Queen, yeah. Queen, Metallica, Aerosmith, The Who. Uh, where do, where does ACDC fit in terms of ranking of rock bands of all time?
1: ACDC is right. At the top, near the top, in the mix, in the Steel Cage match, for you know, with all those bands you just mentioned. Um, to me, uh, and this changes sometimes as I go through life, but, you know, to me, you've got Beatles and the Stones, Zeppelin, and ACDC's got to be in the pack right after those three.
0: So you you, you would have them in the top five?
1: Probably, yeah, man. Because, I mean, like, if we're talking rock, rock and roll bands, um, and you talk about, you know, okay, so we're talking about two great albums today, mm-hmm. but, you know, the earlier, uh, Vaughn albums like, uh, Powerage, uh, So Good, um, uh, you know, the earlier stuff like, um, just said powerage. but um you know for those about to rock from the uh the bond years, there's like yeah, yeah
0: and you obviously oh, had yeah TNT you also had a high voltage um you, dirty deeds dirty the, deeds yeah so, I mean, there there was some before that. So why, you know, and that, that was probably going to be my final question on Highway to Hell. So, like, obviously they had fantastic albums before that, at least in my opinion. So, like, TNT was great, High Voltage, uh, Dirty Deeds. Yep. So why, why was it Highway to Hell that kind of took them from a big band in Australia to a big yep. band worldwide?
1: And I think, you know, it really even clicked over a lot because I think, I don't even know if Highway to Hell went gold during Bond's Lifetime. But it may have gone gold, but it definitely didn't go platinum back then, no. if I remember correctly. That's correct. But, uh, but, you know, fucking Back in Black has sold at least probably more than 15 million copies now, I think, is it? Uh, um, I think it was It was more streamlined. It was more accessible, but while wow, keeping their essence and grit and swagger, but maybe a little more consumable by, you know... You know, people other than, like, dudes in cut-off jean jackets, like putting cigarettes <laughs> out on the dog, you know? Like, uh, I think it just got more streamlined, but while still keeping the essence of what made them cool, which is, you know, the hardest, one of the hardest things for bands to do is, one, have something special, and two, present it in a way that a lot of people are going to get into it and dig it. Uh, with, while keeping that essence. It's, I mean, ACVC, it's, it's, you know, as long as there are teenagers and, like, Saturday nights and, like, you know, uh, people who want to have a good time or just, you know, rock... ACDC will always will be here to the end of the Western civilization.
0: Oh, absolutely. hundred percent agree. And how do and obviously Brian Johnson took over for a long time, I think just a couple of years ago, uh, 2016 is when, I mean, they finally moved on. Um, but how do you think he did? You know, obviously the album that comes after back in black, uh, for those about to rock, we salute you. Um, and all the way through 2016, you know, how do you think uh, ACDC yeah. did throughout those years as well?
1: Well, you said it. he's the most, he's the best, to me, he's the most successful and best, did the best job of replacing, of a replacement lead singer. I mean, even the Razor's Edge in the early 90s, they, I mean, uh, Thunderstruck is a massive signature song for them. And that's, yeah. you know, like 16 years or whatever into their career from, um, you know, at least, uh, not with him, but the band overall. Um and you know there's a lot of replacements you know Sammy Hagar's done great with mm-hmm. Van Halen and mm-hmm. while he was with the band and even people that aren't really noticed replacement singers that are you know people like uh, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden. he wasn't their first singer um, people like that uh, you know Ronnie James Dio had some good stuff with Sabbath mm-hmm. uh, Ian Gillen wasn't the first singer of Deep Purple um uh, I think, you know, the the Brian Johnson Brian Johnson didn't die. Brian Johnson's name isn't as cool as von Scott. Yeah. You know, um they were more successful with him. So of course it's not as cool to say those are great rock years that mm. they you know, mm-hmm. the Brian Johnson era is as good or better right. than the Vaughn era. But the results are hard to Disproved, uh, disproved, disproved that he wasn't as good or as better. Although I love them both. It's just, right. to me, with Bond, they were a hard rock band. With Brian, they're more metallic
0: absolutely good way to put it matt wake from dot al.com joining us here so before i let you go i definitely want you to promote and by the way i actually did a podcast on that a couple months ago i did um replacement singers i think i was covering the journey i think journey had a live set or something that came out so i mentioned we were talking a little bit about that you know lead lead uh lead singers taking over some of the best replacement lead singers i actually did that i should have had you on there from what it sounds like <laughs> um but uh, before I let you go, I, I know you interview and do a lot of stories for AL.com. So just kind of before I let you go, kind of promote some recent interviews you've done and some things you've got coming up that you can tease for us.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, um, so recently I, I'm, I've got a real soft spot for the 80s arena metal stuff. So um, recently I interviewed Tracy Guns from L.A. Guns, Tammy Down from Faster Pussycat, um, and being here in Alabama, the Muscle Shoals stuff, is really big. So recently talked with uh, Dan Penn, a songwriter out of Muscle Shoals, who wrote songs recorded by Aretha and Janice and Graham Parsons. Uh, some stuff I have coming up. I have a really nice retrospective coming up on Roger Hawkins, who was the drummer in the Swampers with the uh, uh, Muscle Shoals yeah. uh, uh, sound recording session that's on everything from I'll Take You There to. Um, uh, all kinds of stuff, Paul Simon stuff. Um, and, uh, I, I've got a really nice re- retrospective on that. Uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing for AL.com now. I've in the past written for, uh, LA Weekly a, a decent amount and a little bit for Rolling Stone and a little bit for Billboard, but, um, uh, uh, yeah, so that's kind of what's
0: coming up. Yeah, I've seen that. Um, I've I seen you uh, post an article on Facebook. We're friends on Facebook. So i seen not too while ago you posted an article for Rolling Stone. I'm very happy for you, man. I'm so excited. Well-deserved. I mean, I know you're a hard worker. You have great content. And I appreciate you coming on this podcast as always, man. I feel like I could talk to you forever about rock music. Um, we'll have to do this again. But I appreciate you coming on today, man. Enjoy your weekend and listen to some more ACDC for me.
1: You got it, D.C., thanks for having me on, and um, uh, love what you're doing, man, and uh, thanks for having me, and keep the rock going.
0: got to say that was great stuff from Matt, as always, talking Highway to Hell and Back in Black by ACDC, two album anniversaries that we're celebrating, one in 1979, July 27th acdc released highway to hell and then not even a full year later july 25th in 1980 acdc with new lead singer brian johnson released back in black so let's go ahead and welcome our next guest we got a nice carousel of guests today so we have steve candell who has the review as i mentioned earlier has this fantastic review up at pitchfork.com he did it about a month ago and he looked back on the album back in black so we'll probably focus on that but i gotta talk some highway to hell as well but steve i really appreciate you coming on today how you doing Good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, getting ready to revisit some ACDC here today here on the podcast. So having a little fun okay. traveling back into okay. time. So that, that's why I got you today. So I came across kind of prepping for this podcast, thinking ACDC back in black, um, doing a little prep. And I came across your fantastic article that you just read actually a little over a month ago uh, for Pitchfork. yeah. yeah. So let's uh, we'll, we'll get in that in a minute. But I also know back in black anniversary was a couple days ago. But we also have Highway to Hell that is coming up. That anniversary is actually coming up this Saturday. Um, so let, let's yeah. start with Highway to Hell and then we can go to back in black. Let's start with Highway to Hell. So w- sure. obviously this still has Bon Scott as the lead singer. I think this was I mean, I would say they're the band's breakthrough, I guess, into the mainstream of music.
3: Um, it was definitely. I mean, they, they, it was not like a new, you know, they weren't new. They'd been kicking around. It was something like, uh, five albums in six years or something like that, which at the time was totally normal. It's (laughs) unheard of now, but you know, they were, they were, um, definitely getting bigger in Australia. Um, but they weren't really like, you know, around that time, they, they, they were still kind of like opening for bands. They weren't really, uh, they weren't really sort of known as like a as like a massive band into their own right. Yeah. Um, I think the, the big breakthrough of that was sort of production wise, they had uh, Mutt Lang produced uh, produced How Hell, and you know he kind of became synonymous with like a certain kind of like commercial, uh, you know, c- commercial sort of radio radio sheen, radio friendly like metal or hard rock, you know, over the next few years. I mean, um, sort of back, you know, Back in Black we'll get to, and that's certainly, you know, a huge, huge breakthrough. But then after that, you know, Death Leopard, uh, you know, it was just sort of this, like, big bombastic sounding um, kind of hard rock that was just sort of, in a way help kind of define like what we sort of consider to be like eighties, you know, eighties hard rock. I mean, not really mm-hmm. 1979, uh, highway to hell was really kind of like the, the blueprint for that. And, um, and yeah, So highway to hell started, you know, getting played on the radio and, and, and started getting actual chart success. And, and, um, you know, and they had all the men- momentum in the world, you know, for, for six or seven months there, leading up to February of 1980. Um, not to skip ahead, but mm. yeah, I mean, they were, they, they were really sort of, uh, it wasn't like, it, it was, it wasn't like the breakthrough that we think of now considering what happened after that, but like the momentum yeah. was, was really there.
0: As you mentioned, there were obviously albums that preceded this, like you said they were they released, they had already released five albums before that. so why was Highway to Hell their big breakthrough into the mainstream and crossing over just from being a big band in Australia to even here in the United States? Why was Highway to Hell so special?
3: I mean, I think the thing with a lot of those records when you listen back to them now it on one hand, it sounds like you know like you you look at Angus and you look at the cover art and you look at you know, what these songs are, and they sound like they're these, like, you know, tough or, like, hard or heavy songs, but they're also, like, they're just total, like, ear candy pop songs that are really, like, you know, easy to listen to, and even with, like, Bond's voice or Brian Johnson's voice, you very rarely hear people, like, who don't want to, you know, listen to it. It's not like putting on, you know, you know, like black metal with like growling that sort of like a very, very specific, you know, kind of audience. These things are really like they're pop songs, you know, and they sound like pop songs and they sound perfect for the radio. And they, and it doesn't sound, um, you know, it, it, it just, it's, it's all very, uh, it's all really easy to listen to, even though I think they're sort of packaged as something as like, you know, the whole, like, you know, like sort of satanic iconography, which was never sort of serious, but like, you know, it's not really, uh, it's really easy. They're just easy to listen to. And, um, I think actually, another thing that's probably worth mentioning, there's the album that would have come out before that, uh, people forget about it. It's been Dirty Deeds, Done Dirt Cheap, which was also, that never came out. That's right. Um, that had actually been, I I think you think of that now as like, um, a song an album that has songs that get played on the radio like uh you know like dirty e done Dirt cheap is like it seems like it's a born natural born like you know rock radio hit and then certainly when i was a kid everyone loved big balls but like uh that actually had not been released until after um until after back in black was a huge hit They they sort of put that back out after the fact so it wasn't even like you know they were they were putting out albums that like their record label didn't really know what to do with it didn't really sound they thought you know the label thought like kind of commercial enough right. you know they were still trying to figure it out and then you know Highway to Hell it just it sounds exactly the way you want want a band like that to sound and it was just sort of uh, and then and then and then they really you know it all sort of broke open and, and then they uh, after all that in eighty one put out Dirty Deeds and it, again it all seemed like. I think at the time it was confusing, people were like, Why is this a new album with the guy who died a year and a half ago? But oh, yeah. um uh, but yeah, they retroactively kind of realized like these are all great like radio songs, but at the time it wasn't wasn't quite there yet.
0: Yeah. And to kind of start digging into the songs a little bit before we move into Back in Black, let's mm-hmm. focus on a couple yes. songs on Highway to Hell. So let's start with the title track. I mean, that's the biggest song yeah. from it. And I think we all can agree, you know, the the words to Highway to Hell kind of took a whole new meaning, you know, after uh, Bon Scott drank himself to death, you know, in 1980. Um, But l- let's kind of focus on Highway to Hell, you know, the the lyrics within that song and how that song got so big throughout the years.
3: Yeah, and I think, again, it's one of those things that, like, you know, and I think at the time people were probably uneasy about it and that it it sounded like it was dangerous. And there's, you know, uh, Angus on the cover with his, like, little devil horns. But, like, Mm -hmm. when you actually, like, listen to the song, like, that song is completely harmless. You know, it doesn't really mean anything. And, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but uh, but the sort of idea behind it that, like, sort of having fun at, at whatever cost, I mean, something, and we can talk about this with like Back in Black, but the, like, to their credit, they didn't really... Uh, they they didn't... Uh, the, the band didn't really sort of... They didn't let the fact that they had a lead singer who drank himself to death sort of keep them from still promoting this idea that you should have fun at, w- at whatever cost. And they sort of treated that like, you know, Bomb Stops Death is almost being like, you know, the price you pay for, like, living the way you want to live. But really, you know, all of that, that sort of general idea of... of uh, live how you want to live no matter what um, became a very sort of like broad thing that you know it could mean partying it could mean you know whatever but that, that sort of like you know that's a very uh, it's a very like broad and like you know pretty accessible idea for like a rock song and um, and it just was you know kind of it's like them by the numbers you, anything you would want out of an ACDC song is, is in that
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. 100 percent. So, yeah. And and kind of digging in, as I mentioned earlier, you know, all the tracks were written by, obviously, Angus Young, Malcolm Young and Bon Scott here on Highway to Hell. So kind of digging into a couple of the songs that kind of resonate with us, you know, kind of just looking Ooh. back on Highway to Hell. So obviously, uh, I, I know one that resonates with me is If You Want Blood, You've Got It. Um, that, that's yep. one that's one that really resonates with me I know that was a big one that was released with this album <laughs> so what w- in terms of songs from this album that resonate with you personal favorites on highway to hell what would they be for you finally? one
3: one that I think that is worth really sort of thinking about like touch too much mm-hmm. um and the reason why is like the 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 sort of really layered background vocals on that is really um, again it, you wouldn't think of it now but like if you listen to that and then listen to like, you know, any number of, like, Def Leopard songs, you realize that uh that that's kind of the template for it, that just, like, just massive, massive background vocals on a chorus. Mm-hmm. And um even though that wasn't, like, necessarily the biggest hit from that album, I think that that is pretty widely looked at as being, like, you know, a test run for a lot of songs that were much bigger hits later. Um uh, so that's a big one. Mm-hmm. uh Night Prowler often gets talked about as being you know ACDC is one of those yep. bands that the you know, they would say there was they never they never really had a ballad, even as even they were hugely successful in the eighties right when mm-hmm. every band had that like third single power ballad, and ACDC never ever really did that and the closest I think people ever point to is Night Prowler, which isn't really a ballad, but it's like this slow bluesy song and you know sometimes you'll see when people say AC/DC never had a ballad mm-hmm. sometimes people will bring up that song but really if you compare that to like what you really consider to be you know mid 80s era you know classic power ballads they, ne- they never really did that that's, that's the closest closest they came probably
0: Yeah, and you you nailed it on the head. That was definitely a time where bands were starting, around the time when bands were starting to get into the power ballads. I know Motley Crue had the uh, Home Sweet Home. That was their big one around that time. So, yeah, were, we're approaching that time where everyone had to venture into that. So, that leads us into Back in Black, which... It, you know i said this earlier and i'm going to start with this i'm going to be quite honest with you i told the guest earlier matt wake who joined me earlier in the podcast i told him and he kind of laughed at me but personally and i know this is very controversial and i'm a, i'm a you know i'm open to any any uh, hate mail i get on twitter at dc hendricks i know i know it's coming as soon as i release this podcast but I personally like Back in Black better than Highway to Hell. I just think you know all the way throughout. and and obviously Bon Scott is out. In comes Brian Johnson, uh, new lead singer. And rock bands do not change lead singers that quickly. You know, put out a fantastic product like they did in Back in Black. But that kind of translates us into this album, Back in Black. So that transition. What what do you think of the transition from Bon Scott to Brian Johnson?
3: I mean, I've I talked about this with a couple friends of mine actually as I was writing this thing too, mm-hmm. I was trying to think of like an equivalent. But I mean, I would say that it is the the most successful personnel change in any band ever. And I think the one thing that the one example that anyone would ever push back would be, you know, Fleetwood Mac when they brought in Buckingham and Nick's and then all of a sudden they put out the biggest album of all time. Mm-hmm. And that's like kind of true. It's so Fleetwood Mac wasn't even like uh so they'd put out two of the bigger albums of all time um, and then but like at the time like they were just sort of known as like a british blues band and it was it was a complete reinvention i mean i think the difference with ACDC AC/DC is they did it you know mid-flight essentially like they were already a band that was getting bigger and was accruing this audience and in the middle of all that taking literally something like 3 weeks off between Bon Scott dying and Brian Johnson starting. It was like inside of a month, mm-hmm. essentially, um, and get someone who does. I mean, what are the odds of finding two people anywhere who actually sound like that? You know, um, there were, you know, and, and 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 it was just completely seamless. And like it, it sucked. But you, you know, of course, and it was tragic. But I, I think that it wasn't this thing where you had all these like you know Bon Scott diehards that used to. To like listen to this new album, it was just it sort of felt like it was done in the spirit of things, and it was just they didn't they gained all these fans without losing old fans, which is impossible to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the only other sort of bands of that kind of you know of, of that size and of that genre that had you know personnel you know singer changes and, and that high profile, you could say Van Halen, and like you know. The Van Halen, like, the Hagar albums, were commercially successful, but it just felt it was, like, two different bands, you know? And it didn't feel like it was the same thing, and it felt like, yes, they sold a bunch of records, but, like, at what cost? And um, with ACDC, it was completely seamless, and you just can't really think of any other example of that. I mean, there again, like, there's... Of course, every band has replaced front men. I mean, you have even... Alison Sheen has has had another singer for years who's been successful, but it it doesn't quite feel like it's the same thing. And the stakes seem lower. Um, You know, and you can think of all kinds of examples of of, of successful personnel changes, but you can't, you can't think of one that, that worked out like this where it was just seamless and got bigger and bigger and, uh, you know, as far as you saying that that you prefer Back in Black, I mean, I think it's worth noting, like, Back in Black is uh, one of the biggest rock albums ever, mm. ever made. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. so <laughs> much more successful than Highway to Hell. So to say that, like, you know, I mean, a lot of people prefer that. So um, huh. I don't know if it's that controversial in opinion. I also, I think I like Highway to Hell better, but, I mean, I appreciate how Back Back in Black is, like, the sort of, you know, the very model of, like, a, a big-sounding, you know, commercial rock album. And, you know, and, and it was made in 1980, but it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like it could have, it could be from any year. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of albums from that era. If you listen to a lot of albums from 1985, 1987, man, they sound like they were made from... They sound very much of that specific time. And, you know, Back in Black doesn't do that. And uh, that's extremely hard to do. And, I mean, even ACDC has of well, their 90s stuff sounds a little like 1991 in a way, too. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's, a, that's an extremely, extremely difficult thing to pull off. And and they did and then sold tens of millions of records. I mean, that's just... Uh, <laughs> It's crazy
0: it's nuts That's how it's, it goes. it's nuts the way they did that and yeah just uh I mentioned it earlier because we have a lot of rock we have a lot of rock guys here around the station I was just kind of talking to them telling them I was talking to ACDC today and the anniversaries and I told them that I prefer back in black more than highway to hell and they looked at me like like I was nuts or from a different planet or something they're like what i'm like i'm I'm
3: sorry like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know I mean yes, like you know you should be all night long as a single and maybe it's not the most you know, typical ACDC song, but like, right. there's nothing to dislike about that song. If right. you're mad about that song just because it was a huge hit. Then, <laughs> I mean, it's more like you just have to appreciate the, the hilariousness of Back and Down as a huge hit. Right. Um, Back in Black, and I, I wrote about the same, uh, Pitchfork St. I mean, that is like one of the main guitar riffs ever, mm-hmm. period. You know, like, I don't, I don't see, it's hard to, and even if you prefer Bob Scott, it's hard to It's hard to listen to that Mm -hmm. and, like, really turn up your nose to it. Like, I don't know what the argument would be. (laughs) It's got everything you want.
0: Everything. Yeah, and full disclosure, I'm a young guy, so, like, you know, I didn't hear these in chronological order. You know, so I wasn't around during the time. I wasn't alive in '79. I wasn't alive in '80. So I didn't hear these in order. You know, I'm, I'm growing up. I just I go in my dad's records and pop them in. You know, I put the needle on them. So I didn't listen to in any order. So like growing up, I didn't exactly obviously until I got older, I knew about the whole Bon Scott Brian Johnson situation. But that's probably why I appreciate Black and Black a little bit more. But just and there's other songs on there too. It's not just back and Black. And you I'm glad you mentioned the guitar riff on that. But there's there's all. Also, Hell's Bells. That I know. There's that, that translates to sports. I mean, there's a there's a closer. Yeah. Uh, Trevor Hoffman. Trevor Hoffman comes yeah. out to Hell's Bells, and that's what he's known for. So that's big. I mean, you have you shook me all night long. This album, you know, all together, just kind of talk about its you know its reception and how it's it's kind of lasted throughout these years as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's. What, I mean, I'm, I am older than you. I was alive when these albums were out, but I was not an ACDC fan. I was like a small child, you know? (laughs) But I think the whole point is that, you know, these things aren't necessarily about, like, career trajectories. They don't feel like they're of that time. These things feel Mm -hmm. completely timeless, and they don't feel like, you know, it's it's not like you have to listen to an ACDC album in order to understand, like, how they progressed as artists and as songwriters, because the whole point of them is they didn't. You know they they just did their thing very well. I mean it's like you know you don't have to listen to the Ramones in in order in order to sort of like understand them like they did their thing and they did their thing extremely well, and they would hone it a little bit this way or a little bit that way but the the whole the fact that these albums remain timeless and that they don't feel like they're you know part of some like larger career story is like that's actually um you know, that's the benefit of them. They're they're, you're, they're not a band that, like, you're going to sit around and have people argue about, you know, their favorite. I mean, it sounds like you guys are having arguments about their favorite albums. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that's the kind of thing that they inspire. Like, they have, mm-hmm. obviously, like, diehard fans who will, who will go out and see them and buy whatever, but also, you know, the, the thing that sort of sets them apart is that they also, for these couple of records, have fans who only know those couple of records and who, you know, may not even necessarily like hard rock, but they like this, you know, and, uh, and, you know, you can roll your eye. I totally get the impulse to sort of dismiss an album just because it has that kind of appeal, Mm. you know, where it's like, Oh, I'm, you know, fuck you guys. I'm going to go listen to the razor's edge. It's like, (laughs) Oh, okay. Or, Or fly on the wall. And, you know, and like, those are, that's, totally fine. You know, like there's not a huge drop off of those albums, but I think you have to really appreciate how hard it is yeah. to have an album that like sells 40 million copies and that, you know, 39, 40 years later mm-hmm. has these songs that get blasted through baseball stadiums and basketball arenas mm-hmm. all over the place and have, you know, seven year olds today, like, you know, Stomping along, and they know what that is, and it, it's just like you've created something that's like literally timeless. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think you just have to, at a certain point, you know, you got to give it up for that. If that were easy to do, mm-hmm. then everyone would do it, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just the hardest, the hardest thing in the world to even come up to do to come up with something that feels. Uh, universal and not of any one particular genre not of any one particular time. And that like 40 years from now, people can listen to that on whatever format exists. then, And it's not going to sound or feel any different. It's just going to be, it it, it is what it is. It doesn't have any baggage. The lyrics aren't going to mean something different over time. It's not going to, uh, it's impossible to age. That's so hard to do
0: yeah and that's why i titled this podcast happy anniversary acdc uh kind of celebrating two anniversaries of two of my personal favorite albums i'm a big rock guy and these are i mean these have to be in my top probably 10 15 of favorite rock albums and i want i wanted before i let you go i wanted to i had two more questions for you so one i'm a record guy i'm a vinyl collector Uh so like um I would refer to side one or side two. That's how I do it. I'm a little yeah. a little old school in that way. So if I was to ask you, if I were to ask you side one or side two, if you could give me a hidden track that, you know, obviously everyone knows Hell's Bells. I mentioned, we mentioned that one back in black shook me all night long, probably shoot the thrill as well. Um, but if you were to give me a hidden track for people to check out, which one would it be? And which side?
3: I mean, again, it's it's, it's hard for any of these songs to, Sound. I mean, and we, you know, looking at this track list, every single one of these songs gets played on, on the radio. Um, but, like, uh, you know, I guess if you want to go for Hidden, then, like, Side Two, I mean, first of all, Jesus, Side Two is back in black. <laughs> you ship me all night long, have a drink on me, shake a leg, and rock and roll and noise pollution, which is, you know, those are, again, some of the most widely listened to songs ever, rock songs ever recorded. But, um, uh, you know, have a drink on me and shake a leg are are definitely new. Have a drink on me, I think, is is worth noting too, because again, like that's a song about like getting hammered that was recorded literally weeks, yeah. maybe months, but very soon after the previous singer like drank himself to death, and not just basically saying like, yeah, well, you know, what can you do? <laughs> and so, <laughs> uh, in a way, that's a, that's a that's a, that's crazy that that song is on there, but if in retrospect, it sort of feels like it's very celebratory. Um, I think if that were to happen today, I bet that would be insanely controversial um, yeah. but uh, you know, I think that's sort of notice you know notable that like one of the sort of enduring anthems on this album that like could have been very morbid and could have been very much like scared straight and very like you know. Sort of backing off on the idea of of, of uh, living and partying, given the circumstances. Like it's literally like I'm a drink on me, and it's a great and it's a song that like totally holds up. So uh, yeah, you know that took that took that took some balls to do, and uh, uh, yeah, so that's I'd say that's one.
0: I like that. I like that. Yeah, I had to I had to play a nice little sample of that to give the listeners a little bit of a taste of that. So, before I let you go, I'm not a whole lot familiar with Pitchfork's uh, grade scale for album reviews. Um I used to I used to write for Consequence of Sound and they did like letter grades. Yeah. I don't I don't write for them anymore, but you can uh, I'm assuming it's on a, on a 10 scale, why just an 8.8? I you know, I don't <laughs>
3: totally know. I think they're very uh I think it's that. That's something they sort of like settle on. and The writers don't really necessarily do that. I mean, uh, I think from my standpoint, it was just like okay. they're they're a little, you know, they're a little squeamish with the sort of high end ones. But I think the, I mean, I could make the argument saying it's really good. But like you don't, necess- it's not necessarily the be best, right. even by them. You know, like you could make the argument that it's not even as good as like you're saying. You know Highway to Hell, and the whole point of it is like as good as it is, as much as it holds up, mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like some crazy standout from their discography. You could listen to a couple other albums of theirs, and they may be like right up there, like Dirty Deeds has just you know. And so, I think the idea of, of the point of it was a little bit as good as that album is, it's not like it's not like necessarily head and shoulders above everything else they've ever done. Mm-hmm. So, uh I think that that's kind of the thought there, as opposed to it's like, oh, this is the, uh, you know, if you're going to listen to one album (laughs) by ACDC, it must be this. I don't don't know that I would say that. Um, I mean, it makes sense. It's the one that has the most, you know, story around it, and it's the one that's obviously the most commercially successful, but like, I don't think it's necessarily my favorite. I don't think it's a lot of people's favorite. Mm -hmm. I think the whole point is like, they were really steadily doing that for a long time. So in that sense, like that number feels like, about right. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, but, uh, I'm just, you, you wouldn't be the first one to sort of question the, the pitchfork.
0: I'm just um, I'm nitpicking yeah. at this point. Um,
3: no, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so, I also think that like for an album like that, you know, as opposed to a new album, uh, I don't think that everyone who wants to buy or get that album has already got it. So, yeah. you know, like the idea of giving that a rating 39 years later is almost seems <laughs> like a joke anyway.
0: Yeah, and that's why we're celebrating the anniversaries today. And we just got done talking with Steve Candell. Um, he's a freelancer. Just had his article in front of me. He's from Pitchfork. Um, so, what are some other things we can look forward to seeing from you? I just followed you on Twitter, so I want to keep up. What do you have upcoming next?
3: Uh, I'm not really sure what the next thing I'm doing is coming out with. Uh, I'm uh, a couple more Pitchfork things, and then uh, a couple things in day job. I can't really talk about. And um, okay. hopefully, okay. I think something in a couple of weeks probably Pitchfork.
0: Yeah, because I, I know you freelance for a couple. I know you, I think you've done some yeah. with Spin and Esquire, so just wanted to keep up. Yeah, I, got I, was, on,
3: I was on staff and, and, I, and I work at uh, I work at Apple Music. Oh, nice. So hopefully a couple more things coming
0: soon. All right, sounds good. I got you on Twitter, so I'll be able to keep up. Steve, thank you so much for coming on today. Right. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Okay, okay. Be sure to keep up with the Music Vibes podcast with D.C. Hendricks presented by Neat, Neat, Neat Records by subscribing on everywhere podcasts are available, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Radio public everywhere podcasts are available make us one of your favorites by subscribing and make sure to leave us a review and let me know what you guys are thinking of the music vibes podcast that'll do it for this week and until next week everybody be sure to spread some peace and love